is time to tune up the band and form your own underground fight club with your daddy's money, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, only alongside Dan this week, as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. I say only, Dan, but we do have a guest with us. And boy, it is our unofficial fourth member of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. Yes, it is time to bring back our dear friend of the pod, Mr. Cotter. A.K.A. Tig. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, um, you know, I really came in like a like WWE segment where you need that third partner because Reardon, Reardon, Reardon's out for a second. Could be injured for all we know. Yeah. And just like the camera just like slowly pans to me. He's like, you need a partner. <laughs> He's being looked after at a very uh, well reputed local medical facility. <laughs> exactly. Oh that's, god, that's, that's Tig's music! <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Could it be? <laughs> he's come, he's running down with a money in the bank briefcase. Yeah, yeah. No, it, oh yeah. We are we are we are very thankful to be joined. Um on he said fourth unofficial fourth member. Third we're just waiting time. for the signature to be done for it to yeah. become official. Don't worry oh, about yeah. it. Contract, just, contract talks are in the works. Just need to be sent through the mail. Yeah. Hopefully you... I mean, I'll get it signed and I'll make it, sure it's... It's, it, uh... it's in the post along with Melee's check, so... <laughs> but, uh, did you make... Have you made sure that Melee's check bounces by any chance? Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, I used to be an accountant. <laughs> We're employing the Paul Heyman strategy of paying people. Boing! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, how are you chaps doing today? <laughs> I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm very tired. Had a very long week. And that sounds stupid because everyone knows a week is a set amount of time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's been a whole thing. But um I'm getting past things. I'm happy to talk some about some wrestling and some raw underground. <laughs> Do you know I'm a massive raw underground mark? <laughs> I can't finish that sentence without laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's only one ironic fan of it, and it's the person who chose it as the, as the subject for today's episode. I don't even think oh. that counts as an ironic fan at this point, though. I mean... It's it's beyond irony. I mean, you know, everyone has an acquired taste, and sometimes you, you just have to go underground with it, you know? Yeah. And Be with, different. And with Omos yeah. guarding the door as well. <laughs> exactly. Gosh dang Dude, it. So it Dude, it's like it's like Tony Hawk's Underground, just with less of it's a. All of our favorite skateboarding game, right? Yeah. Don't make it. Was, don't age me because I feel like like you guys were playing it when you were like little kids, and I was I was like twelve, thirteen. So don't, like, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm just like, guys, please don't age me. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Uh, before I had an existential crisis. Oh yeah. Uh, we yeah. give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. Um, you know, some <laughs> things do not always last. Like, for example, your position in the company or your desire to start a shoot fed. Uh, but one thing will last, and that is our desire to always be pending. I like how you took took that and really captured the spirit of Reardon in that. I, I appreciate that. What can I say? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a professional. <laughs> Are we? Allegedly. I mean... 
I mean, we're nearly 150 episodes in. Uh, I mean, even... Again, allegedly, although if someone comes up to me and calls me a professional, I will look at them and laugh in their face. I mean, I, I mean, I'm considered a professional video editor, but I, I don't buy that for, for, for <laughs> I don't buy that one bit. <laughs> yeah, but to me, you're basically a wizard that turns that turns raw uh, video files into like artistic genius. So, am I a just be- like accept that? Am I a better wizard than Chris Jericho though? Yes. <laughs> no comments on the kind of wizard that he is. <laughs> No comment, Your Honor. Um, I've, already, I've already made that joke once before, okay? Right? <laughs> We've done the bit. Ski world. Before we get onto our episode all about Raw Underground, it is time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Oh, wait. Hang on. Who's going to do the jingle? Um, okay. Connor. Okay. Connor, you do the jingle. <laughs> okay. Down. Uh, Wrestling news. There we go. Perfect. There you go. Look, professional, well-oiled, professional. well-oiled machine. We're basically a trios team at this point. Try, try to capture Reardon's cadence. I, yeah, I really exactly. tried my best there. We're ready for the trios tournament that's happening. Right? Are we? Are we the? De- are we the death triangle of podcasts? Basically, possibly. Connor's the bastard pack here. <laughs> Three I, was, of us. I was gonna. I was gonna say which one of us is pack. <laughs> no, no. You guys. You guys are the shield, and I'm Kurt Angle, who just comes. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> comes in with the jacket. It's like... <laughs> comes in with the jacket. It's like, all right, guys. I'm in the team, there, right? I was gonna be there and say who's pack, and I was like, I'm gonna have to decide by who eats the most steak bakes, and I think that is me. <laughs> and me. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we, Dan? Oh yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, there's been some wrestling happening recently. Supposedly. Um, let's go. Let's go. Let's start with uh, Forbidden Door. Why, why don't we start there? Because I don't I think we actually spoke about it. Yeah, no, we didn't on last week's episode. Um, um, so, yeah, I think, obviously, big thing, relatively big success of a show. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people were um, were very, very excited and very hyped for the, for the entire event. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of people I heard calling it a hit and miss pay-per-view. I can kind of see why. Because uh, there are a couple of matches here and there that were okay, but weren't great. And then there were some that are actually surprisingly very, very good. Um, it was a shame to hear about um, Adam Cole having to be pulled out due to um, yeah. injury concerns. I was really, like, no joke, I was really looking forward to actually seeing Tom Lawler versus Adam Cole. Because that's one of those oh, matches yeah. where I was like, holy crap, I didn't know I wanted it until I saw it. <laughs> Alas, though, we did actually get Tom Lawler in a dark match against Serpentico. So, you know, you know, it it balances itself. Exactly. We got Chaos Project finally back. (laughs) So I'm happy in that in that regard. But no, it was good to see Billy Starks as well on the Mm pre-show having a really good match with Athena in the uh, in the Women's Owen Cup tournament. Um, uh, Stu Grayson um, having a really good match with El Fantasmo. Um, if you ask me, I feel like uh, why why is Stu Grayson so damn underrated and underappreciated? He's so good. I think everything's just so stacked up is the problem. <laughs> yeah, it, that, that, I think that is that is the thing. But man, people people need to give Stu Grayson his. I think people recognize exactly, exactly. But the whole card, 
Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty good overall. Uh, Tanahashi versus MJF was uh, was I think was a perfectly serviceable match. Honestly, um, I think it suffered a lot from the fact that it wasn't it wasn't built up very well. Yeah. Um, a lot of the focus was put on MJF and Adam Cole, which is completely understandable. Um, given that this is the kind of main main event rivalry that AEW want to go through, I, but I do like the fact they tried to wove it in with the fact that MJF doesn't really care about Tanahashi, can give less yeah. of a crap about him, but they wove that in there by kind of Adam Cole goading him into that match, which was, which is a nice way of doing it. A thing that I really adored about that match in particular was the fact that. Uh, the commentators kept putting over the fact that MJF was using very, like, old-school, sort of, like, New Japan-related tactics in, like, the match. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. So, like, it adds kind of another layer to his character a bit more. Like, okay, he's saying that he doesn't really care about it, but he's definitely studied it. It's And, that, again, it's one of those things where it's kind of like there's the, the, the good quality versus the bad qualities of, of, of Maxwell Jacob Friedman. And sometimes it's when those little bits come out that you realize, you know what? No, he's he's he, when he's good, he's really really good. But sometimes he's yeah, gonna be bogged down by a lot of the this... stuff that he, that he tends to go, lean on. When 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 he's when he when he's good and when he's on like top form, there's like no one better. But when he like, it seems like when he can't be bothered, <laughs> he just, like it, it drops significantly. Hmm. Exactly. And anyway, I like the repeated weeks of people pointing out about like, oh, MJF says he doesn't care about Japanese wrestling, and then bust out like a like a what is almost always identified as like some kind of move from Joshi, preferably nineties AJPW. But <laughs> it's a nice bit of consistency, exactly, or inconsistency, whichever whichever you want to see it. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, I thought I thought overall it was pretty good. There was some there was some really fun stuff in there. Um. Some good matches overall. I really liked the um, uh, the triple threat with Shibata and Dan Danny Garcia. Oh gosh, that uh, was it. It was a four the way. way. Yeah, yeah, the four way. Sorry, I'm sorry, but I, I as I tweeted the the morning of Daniel Garcia is not a professional wrestler. He is a fully fledged roadman. Like, Buffalo and Peckham are twin cities at this point, and I swear to God, if Daniel Garcia is not in all in London coming out to the ring with Skepta singing singing his entrance theme, then I'm going to be thoroughly disappointed. It's the way things are meant to be, what can I say? <laughs> I, I, I popped immediately seeing Zack Sabre Jr. come out to his old music, and immediately as he's walking down the ramp complaining that that, that like production used different entrance music than his TMDK feed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh. Again, it's I, that, I, it's that I feel so bad for the production. It's the, it's the British spirit. As I say, uh, as I say, every time when I watch Zack Sabre Jr., you can take the boy out of Ken, but you can never take the Ken out of the boy. Uh, <laughs> that boy, Zack Sabre Jr., is aggressively Kentish. I was going to say, he might be the most Kent man to exist <laughs> in many ways. Uh, it's And you know what? Shabbat is having one hell of a year. Like, Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people have been saying, like, oh, you know, uh, a certain person will get into when it comes to his match. He's been on the, like, the best form all year so far. And I'm like, I beg to differ. And I think Shabbat has been having a better year, dare I say, than yeah, but that consider, I think the problem with that whole thing though is that shibata's pure skill floor is like so high anyway <laughs> I, I 
I don't know. For me, like Zack Sabre Jr.'s entire TV title reign has probably been my favorite title run this year. It's, I've enjoyed every so, single match. So good. Like oh, I've 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 rewatched his rent not Ren Narita. I've rewatched his match with Shota Umino and like the first match with Jeff Cobb and they're like, Oh, I love these. I'm just so much of it. I am very glad that they've actually got him on a semi regular basis for Ring of Honor, because it's really upped that yeah. the programming to have him on the card. And talking about title reigns, I say it's only equaled by Orange Cassidy's international championship run, which has been oh. outstanding. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's. I think it's exceeded everyone's expectations. Like when he first took the belt off of Pack, and to see where he's gone now with it, like he's just gone from strength to strength. I think for a lot of people, he's proven how good of a wrestler he is. Because mm. I feel like some people look at the character first and yeah. don't really acknowledge the wrestler Orange Cassidy, but the wrestler Orange Cassidy can go with literally anyone on on that roster. Yeah, pretty much. Damn, so damn good. So damn good. Um, we had the uh the IWGP heavyweight match I'm... of which uh two parts, two parts to this. One was um apparently this caused quite a few issues with Japanese fans, just mainly down to the match being short and not being near the main event like slots. Um, but I mean, <clears throat> just. An unfathomably based performance by Sonata. I love 90s throwback Sonata. This current incarnation. I've always, like, I loved his run in LIJ. And I always went to bat for Sonata because he is good. But there's just something about this 90s throwback Sonata that I absolutely love. Like, I, I really love that he's giving out more wider opportunities they're trying some new stuff and not in like not in like the evil title reign way <laughs> where it's we're just going to give a guy a spot at the top and then just like just absolutely ruin him we don't talk about the uh we don't talk about um, the evil title reign <laughs> i i did i did really like it um i did find it quite hilarious though that sonata used like <laughs> the third rate finisher yeah like brother was not it was not working by the hour for this. He was I, and he's certainly not working for Jungle Boy. <laughs> he was not. I I just love the fact that in Japan right now the two leading factions that I'm most aware of between Noah and New Japan are called just five guys and good looking guys. I yeah. think that is the great <laughs> yeah like turn of events because we've gone from like the really hard and gritty like. Congo and Bullet Club and United Empire is like oh, it's just these five lads, isn't it? It's just five guys, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, I love it, but like, obviously, as I've said, as I've said to you before, Sam, we are, we are past the boat on the Sonata title reign. It should have happened like a good couple of years ago. Oh, absolutely! Like, absolutely. But, like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, and I feel like he, I feel like he's holding his. He's holding his spot. I think so. I think so. It's again, it's and... a weird time in the, it's a weird time period right now for New Japan. And it has been ever since the pandemic happened. Yeah. They've been trying to find their feet for a very long time. I thought they had found it with Shingo, honestly, but I, I apparently not. Which yeah, apparently is they didn't, which is, which is crazy because that, that Shingo reign should have gone crazy. It really should have. But, um. Uh... I think it's a great time for the company personally because I think they're rebuilding so much of their roster. 
I'm in really such a way. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's 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 absolutely a good time for them. It's just that ever since 2020, <laughs> they've, they've, kind they've, of... they've had to go for a long process of figuring stuff out. Exactly. Yeah. But I feel like the fruits of the labor are starting to really pay off now. Like we've get we've got Yosuji who just literally just came back. Well, yeah. So they, so they have they have the they have the new Reiwa free. Yeah. Um, of Ren Narita, Yosuji, and um, Shuda. Yeah, Shuda. Um, and then obviously we have quite possibly in the future the most base wrestler of all time, Oleg Bolton, coming through. <laughs> the most Anoki wrestler to to have never Anokied. <laughs> You are, we could be having Hashimikov part two. We I could be having Volkan part two, and I'm fucking here for it. In in a world where that concept is so abstract, exactly, exactly. I would say though, the uh, I think there was a lot of of a lot of pressure put on those three uh, for them to there be billed as the three musketeers. Oh no, there, there absolutely is already because like yes, Suji is very good. Yes, Narita is good, and yes, Shooter is good. Uh, they haven't quite reached the positions yet. Mm. Like, obviously, that sounds dumb saying when Yosuji's had uh, an IWGP title match, but, <laughs> um, but like you know, like when they, when they like when we had the whole thing with the musk with like the original three musketeers, like they were already like at top level by that point. Yeah. So I feel like it's maybe um, a little bit early. Um, just to quickly get to what I think is arguably the performance of the night. That my performance of the night goes to Tetsuya Naito in this six man match. <laughs> this man did almost negative work rate. <laughs> and know, it was brilliant. And you know what? It's what makes me love Naito so freaking much. This man literally had a tranquilo match. <laughs> I was like, yeah. He did, not, he did not hit a Destino. He wrestled the entire match while wearing a shirt. <laughs> I was like, he made. Ninety percent of the big bumps were taken by Sting. I was gonna... sixty-four years old. I was just, I was gonna say, yeah, he looked. Naito took one look at sixty-four-year-old Sting and went, "You know what? I respect it. You do the work. I'll just sit here." <laughs> I, I love it so much. It makes me. It really makes it. me appreciate this was that. It. This was so incredible. It was great. It was great. I was a bit worried that Suzuki would get bogged down being in a tag team with Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho. Fortunately, though, Minoru Suzuki's Minoru Suzuki, and so he, he was able to show thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, great little six-man tag. Very appreciative yeah. of the fact that that was the penultimate match, which is crazy mm -hmm. to think about. Because the match before, of course, was uh, the IWGP US title match. Let's talk yeah. about that, because a lot of people are considering that one of the best matches of all time. It's been given Meltzer's... I think it's it's Meltzer's 25th five-star match that he's given to Will. Um, yeah. Which now, I believe, equals or beats Masawa's... No, it, um, he's, beaten the, he's beaten the record. Um, here's the thing I say about it. Tremendous match from both from both competitors, honestly. Absolutely awesome match from the pair of them. Because they know how to work together, how to craft a story, how to do how to save the big moments for the for the for the most important parts of the match. I mean, a nice call nice call out to Masawa with the Tiger Driver 91. Really appreciate mm -hmm. seeing that one. Because I do have a morbid uh, a morbid fa uh, morbid uh, fan screen calling out and marking out of guys yeah. getting dumped on their head. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, though. It's a fantastic match, but will I call it my match of the year? 
this early in this like several seven months in i'm not entirely sure i've had matches that i've had kind of been more excited and got more hyped about uh, even on this match i think the four way i was a little that i enjoyed i enjoyed that a bit more than this one dare i say um yeah. and with and the regards to the whole thing of is will osprey one of the best wrestlers of all time will osprey's fantastic he's really freaking good but in my from my perspective my fandom and remember guys this is me. We're a po- pokey podcast with like three guys talking about wrestling. So our our opinion is not gospel. Will's fantastic, but I don't rate him as one of the greatest of all time. And a lot of factors in that. I won't get into the factors as to why because I don't want to anger a lot of Osprey fans. Because trust we me, got time isn't the real answer. <laughs> I was gonna say it's it because it angers a lot of people as to why but there are a lot of factors into it um personally i mean well it's like personally and professionally all of that stuff there are factors there for me it's always osprey's osprey's has always been a fantastic person sometimes i feel like um can i say it because i feel like I, I'm, I'm skirting around one of the reasons as to why about Will. i feel like <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it we'll keep it we'll keep it on the uh We'll keep it on the, the, the wrestling side of things. Yeah, on the wrestling side of things. I think he he puts... Sometimes he puts too much. And I feel like yeah. that sometimes is a bit... It's a bit... It can be a bit overkill, if you know what I mean. I mean, I mean does, does any of this make I've, sense, I've, guys? I've, 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 said it, I've said it as, like, I can... I appreciate what he does, but, like what he does and his style of stuff is not necessarily to my taste and that makes sense and this is coming i know and i know it sounds dumb and it sounds super inconsistent for me but (laughs) and this is coming from a guy like me who loves every form of wrestling and i'm saying oh he's kind of a guy that kind of does does uh, does overkill some of those big high flying spots because i know there are a lot of people that hate high flying wrestling which again i don't understand i mean they're just if you don't like it you're cringe (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> this is true. It's true. Because then again, it's like, well, what's the difference between high flying and lucha? They're both very similar. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's that same thing I think everyone has the problem with El Vi- uh, Vikingo ever since he kind of made his presence felt in AEW. A lot of people I feel that had kind yeah. of like a very similar thing. But eh, it's, it's what. It, am I making sense or am I waffling, Connor? <laughs> I think you're rambling at this point. <laughs> I. It's hard for me to really think about. I. I I agree from a wrestling standpoint. I think he deserves a lot more credit than what he gets for people who say he's just the high flyer. I think he's very clearly much more than that. Mm. I don't know if I fully agree on the too much part, but I think it's very hard for me to comment on that type of stuff, particularly for like his like style of matches and the way his style's evolved and what he's been able to do. Mm. It's really hard for me to call because I don't really have like a big opinion mm-hmm. on Osprey. Like he's very good at what he does. It's just like I, I'm not really like obsessed watching Osprey matches. He's very yeah. good. I I absolutely adore his match with Kenny. Yeah. Both of them. I I think for me personally, I prefer the Wrestle Kingdom one. But agreed. Yeah, I. It's not much I really say. I think he definitely like gets a lot of slack that isn't fully necessary but mm-hmm. i also do think yeah. that some things he does doesn't always like 
hit people the right way. That, I, that's probably the best way I can say. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But and anyway, this is, and this isn't a knock on the guy because again, again, because as I said, fantastic wrestler. Sometimes it's just for me. Sometimes his matches are very hit and miss, and it always yeah. for me that's always been the case with Will. Um, yeah, I mean, apart from that, like those matches yeah. were outstanding. Outstanding. I'm, and... I'm, I'm gonna sound. I'm gonna sound basic here because I I really enjoyed the Danielson Okada match. The main. I event... know it could have been more. I know it could have been more. But here's the thing, right? About but that I match. I really liked it. I really liked it. It could have been so much more. But when you factor in thing. that 11 minutes in, Danielson breaks his arm, but still manages to have a go for another 17 minutes. See, this is this is this is my literally my only thing with this match is obviously injury like disregarding that this match was like what i expected it to be but like it was not necessarily the much i wanted it to be if that makes sense exactly exactly but then again that could entirely that could entirely be down to the injury and everything else anyway it's it was fucking awesome i really it's really really solid match from the pair of them i think a lot of people really it was it was it was a victim of its own hype if you get what yeah. i mean that that main event because how could you with people building it up like that how could you deliver a match that's going to meet the expectations of so many people you know i can't imagine mm-hmm. as a wrestler how much how pressure how much pressure you must feel when when everyone's already hyped it up and i'm like oh fuck now i've got to go out there and really deliver yeah i i think if you go into it expecting it to top the first you might be disappointed but i feel like if you're watching it with the expectation that you're going to get a really good match out of it regardless then i think it's an amazing match Mm. yeah like, I feel I feel like that it spawned the uh, the tweet which was like okada is a mid-card jobber trapped in a wrestling god's body <laughs> that was quite a fun thing. I I mean I mean I've dude all... just likes to have fun. Exactly. Remember balloon era Okada. Dude was obsessed with balloons that one time when he had. A, I think he, he pretty much had a flipping midlife crisis, didn't he? <laughs> At that point when he started being obsessed with balloons. Though that being said, though Danielson working with a broken arm for that long, crazy. Love the guy. Greatest of all time, mate, in my opinion. <laughs> I am so sad that we're probably not going to see Danielson at all in London. That's the bit that kills me a little bit. That's After this, we're probably not going to see him at all in London. And that's a shame because, as I said to Dan, and you've probably heard me say this many a time on Twitter, Connor, if there was one time we could coax Nigel McGuinness out of retirement for one final match, it would have been all in London against Danielson. <laughs> Yeah, but here's my question for both of you. Do you think we'll get Okada, not Okada, Omega Osprey free at All In? I, I think there's, I think there's a distinctly higher possibility of it now. Absolutely, I would say so. Um, I think even without the without the Danielson situation, I definitely think the match would have happened still. Um. Because I think it's it's that one match I think everyone's really clamoured for, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think everyone really wants a trilogy similar to kind of like Omega and Okada's trilogy of matches. 
and they won it with 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 these two especially as well. So yeah, I think it was always bound to happen. I just think now it's gonna there's gonna it, there's gonna be a higher importance for that match now. <laughs> I think if anything, I think if it was probably gonna be the penultimate match. My guess is now it's probably gonna be the main event. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm still clamoring for MJF to face Pac for the AEW World Championship at Wembley. Um, but it looks like we may get Adam Cole. Not fussed by that, if I'm honest. Um, I mean... I don't know. Uh, what was the time difference between All In to All Out? Because it's like a week or two, right? Yeah. Something like that? A couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, I reckon they might save Adam Cole MJF for All Out. And then possibly... I don't know who they'd have in between, or maybe they won't even have an AEW World Title match. It would just be like a big spectacle. That's that is an interesting one. That is an interesting because I know that MJF's all over the promotional material as well for all in London, so it does make you well, wonder. Well, M- M- MJF is, and then they've just released promotional material in the UK which has CM Punk on it. Do you think it's going to be Punk MJF? No, no, I'm just saying they've released promotional mm. material that has punk on it when they weren't doing that before. Yeah, but it does make you wonder if it would so... be punk MJF. Mm, I don't feel like it would be, though. Mm. Like, uh, I, Obviously, it sounds stupid, but I feel like if you're running a show of that scale, right, you, you do everything you can to make Punk Omega happen, don't you? I think I think so. It's like it's at like sixty five thousand seat sales. Mm. I've always been one of the ilk as well. Um, I know, just like on off completely offshoot. But if you really want all in London to appeal to a to crowd in the UK, I think. Hear me out. Bold claim here for the for for mid for midpoint of the pay per view. You run back Keith Lee versus Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah, strong shout, strong shout. It makes sense because those two had phenomenal matches in your call that are still remembered to this day. It makes sense. I mean, you See, could bring up the was, context was, of that. If he was, if he was still active, and of course this is predicated on a whole bunch of different things, I would have said Chris Hero. <laughs> Dang it! I know he's backstage. That that man's basically honorarily British at this point. Damn it, man! I know he's backstage at the moment, but. Seriously, that dude needs to have a few matches in AEW. Okay, right. Um, Where are I would we? like to just jump in quickly because we are we've basically exceeded our time on the news. But I have an I have a semi breaking news report. Oh, uh, on August fourth, Kota Ibushi will make will make his first wrestling appearance in Japan since the Okaiji One Final in Great. <laughs> oh, Great! What? <laughs> It has been announced just an hour ago. <laughs> to quote The Undertaker, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Should this we... man just doing whatever. He's 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 having pro wrestling side quests. I... He is. Yeah. We'd live your best life, he's man. He's going to be wrestling, wrestling on August 4th at Great Version Mega. <laughs> I am watching that when, it, when the live stream goes up on YouTube. So... Here we go, boys. <laughs> anyway, we are done with the news. We've run out of time. I was going to say, did you want to quickly run through Money in the Bank? or <laughs> We haven't got time. All right, in that case, then, we all know LA Knight's winning the ladder match. Um... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Recommendation corner. Ridden's not here, so I will take over from that. Fellas, how do you feel about new wrestling games? 
brilliantly. Yeah, brilliant, I think. Some <laughs> might even say like you you'd brawl, you know, for a long period of time. Yeah. I think I might say that it's that that's awesome. <laughs> well, well, be ready to fight forever as I've been playing AEW Fight Forever. It came out this week. Uh, as of this oh my recording. god, is it the Terry Funk visual novel? I wish. I wish. <laughs> well, son. <laughs> we're gonna do the thing real quick where Dusty sucks eggs. You son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> but just man, what matter you do when you take me out on a date? Don't hit me in my eye! No, it's, um... It's, I'm assuming you were talking about... AEW Fight Forever. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it's been um, it's been a very enjoyable game so far. With the the what lot of uh, the the amount of time I played it over the past couple of days, it heavily reminds me of old school Aki games. Um, no yeah. mercy in particular. There is also though an air of Def Jam Vendetta to it, which I kind of surprised me, but I really actually enjoy that. No, I'm here for it though. It's great that Ukes are back making wrestling games. Um, it's good that AEW's finally got this, got this one out. It's worked. It's a very solid foundation to work upon, but there are some things that are quite limiting. Um, for example, match types are quite limited, but for what you get, it's quite good. We've got three-way matches, you've got your singles, tag teams, uh, you have a casino battle royale, which is a, a really cool take on a battle royale match in a video game. The Exploding Barbed Wire Death Match, which is wholly a gimmick match. that Matches don't last very long, but it is bloody enjoyable to play them. There's the Lights Out matches, which are really enjoyable, especially with the variety of weapons that you have. But there's no... there's no Apart from that, there isn't really much after that. There's a ladder match, of course, but there's no cage matches. There's no um, multi-man uh, stipulation matches. Stuff like that that's missing. But I can only yeah. imagine that those will come soon enough. The only thing I could say that benefits the limiting match types is the fact we have the mini games, which are so much fun. <laughs> They're stupid, but they are so much fun to play. Like, I was playing Death Race X, which is basically a skateboarding mini game. Nice. And it's awesome, and you get points for ollieing over and hitting opponents. <laughs> I I'm just that glad that, that they've made a wrestling game which goes back to the how insane can we make this formula? Exactly, exactly. And I heard. Yeah, I... That... Oh, sorry, Connor. Oh, oh, sorry. No, I'm I'm just getting the film. This game will age really well because I feel like just the stuff it introduces and just like story mode, uh, mini games, the art style, which I think some people were complaining about initially. I, I... think like. I fully people, like the art style, honestly. Were, but, but, like, there are people doing the like, oh, but, like, WWE can afford to do realistic graphics, so what's <laughs> what what's this silly cartoony stuff? And I'm like, well, have is, you not seen fucking WWF No Mercy? <laughs> I was going to say, AEW can, you... <laughs> but they just chose not to. <laughs> look, right, I love Here Come, SmackDown Here Comes the Pain. If you're going to look at those character models and tell me they don't look like they were made out of gelatin, then you are completely wrong. <laughs> but no, I highly recommend it for the people, for peeps that do like and still play No Mercy. 
And indeed, for people that want kind of a more of a fun party game experience, I dare yeah. say, for a casual fan who's not that well-versed into wrestling, I recommend playing this with a group of people, because I guarantee you're probably going to have a laugh or two here and there. And that's crazy. That's awesome. It's nice to know that we have a wrestling game that can actually can actually transcend the wrestling fandom. <laughs> it's, it's nice. Ooh. It's nice to have a nice old school Aki style wrestling game, damn it. Hopefully though, we can build that AEW can build yeah, upon they can, this. Like, expand the roster. Because I don't want this to be another TNA impact game, you know? Add more stuff in. I mean, you don't want to see the debut of Suicide? No, no, I really don't. I really you don't really... want another. You don't want another alternative wrestling game which has horrible controls. Don't remind me. <laughs> don't remind anyway. me. Anyway, anyway, with all of that, it is time to get to the main portion of our episode: the life and times of Raw Underground. Connor, yeah. Connor, I just have one question to ask you. Mm-hmm. Why? Look, <laughs> look. I as as I mentioned before, we went on air. I I wanted to have for my third time back, almost like a almost like a Triforce type of thing of weird GM related things. You know, start off with the anonymous Raw general manager, go down to Retribution. Then you know, just just slide on over to Raw Underground. It's just, I I actually, I think in general, yeah, where where my Raw Underground enjoyers at? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I think the idea of Raw Underground being this almost like under underground thing where you have wrestlers compete in these like fights where you can win. I was assuming by like submission or knockout, a la almost like a Josh Barnett Bloodsport type of thing, would be kind of neat to have. Mm -hmm. it, it's just the execution of it See, was I, a bit I, odd. I, I think you're gonna be like you're gonna be with me on this, which is the concept is great, but the mm. execution is awful. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's which the way I look at it. Which, to be fair. For WWE in the last like couple years is a running theme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It's one of those. It's it's a weird time in the world of professional wrestling. But let's go back and remember that it was a very weird time for the world in general. We are yes. deep, deep into pandemic era WWE, and at this point. I feel like we're WWE are I believe are still emanating from the performance center yes, in Orlando, yeah. Florida. We're deep into pandemic era. We're deep into the the we're not so much into Thunderdome era just yet. We have a couple of screens, quiet. but we have a lot of NXT performers sparsely uh, sparsely put around uh, the performance center as attendees, and thus we cut. To the Raw of August the 3rd, 2020. We cut to a door with the Raw logo on it. And a big, tall bloke guarding the door. <laughs> who we'd later find out is actually Omos. <laughs> Hello, Omos sapiens. And thus, he's, he's opening the door to the Omos sapiens to come. 
Enter the Omosverse. <laughs> we are in a dingy warehouse, which I can only imagine is the backstage part of the performance center. <laughs> Almost definitely. And Shane McMahon is in a ring with no rope surrounding it. They're looking very similar to a to an event that takes place at WrestleMania week. Don't worry about it one bit. It's completely legally distinct. You know what makes it legally distinct? Pole dancers. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get I, to I would that later. real NWA TNA vibes from <laughs> from the pole dancers. Don't yeah. worry, we'll get to it later. Shane McMahon introduces Raw Underground, a Fight Club esque take on professional wrestling, where the now, rules are there are no rules. Now I'm just gonna say this. When this was initially announced, and Sam can back me on this, I was convinced that we were going to have Brawl for All V2. Same! <laughs> and they were just going to have people fight in the performance center. I was utterly I convinced was, this I was, was Brawl I was just too. like, have they actually finally smoked crack? <laughs> I, I always, Is this the point where we break? I, I love the fact that this was like... This was like Shane McMahon's like happy dad moment. Was like but the, but the, the, the was the beginning of Raw Underground. Is that this? I like to think that there was a discussion that was being had, like how can we how can we revitalize Raw for like the the changing crowd in the pandemic, and then she went, let's have an underground fight club. What can we do to fill the second hour right me wedged in the middle with Raw? And Shane just goes, Hey, guy, hey, Dad, Dad, listen to me, Dad. Do you remember that time Dad. I wanted to buy the UFC? <laughs> <laughs> Please listen to me, Dad. I've got some great ideas. <laughs> let's 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 make let's make a mixed martial arts promotion. No, Shane, you're sweating again. <laughs> <laughs> and thus, rather than Shane doing those weird rope dope punches, he decided to make a whole rope dope promotion. <laughs> yeah. So Shane McMahon's wet dream comes true, and Raw Underground is introduced. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's be honest, that is his... No, it, it, it basically is, but, like, we just have this thing start, and it's, like, it's weird, because the entire time they try insisting that it's distinct from Raw, they're like, this is for, like, those who are, like, underappreciated and undernoticed, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, so, like, we'll get, like, the talent we don't normally see on there. And they're like, this is distinct from Raw, but also we'll have normal, like, we'll have, like, commentators talking about it, and it's completely acknowledged by everyone else. <laughs> exactly. My, my favourite kind of fight club is the one that everyone talks about. <laughs> so, I, I kind I kind of wish they made it sort of a separate entity in a way. That's like, what I mean. Yeah, like, not necessarily, like, as you were saying, have the commentators there. N not even just sort of, like, Shaman Man. Have, like, wrestlers who are like super experienced in like grappling try and give you commentary you know like how daniel yeah. bryan did like the cruiserweight classic and yes he was like going through like limb manipulation and stuff like that mm. i think that would have been amazing if you had that especially if they went with like i don't know if you're gonna go on to this or not sam when like mvp and the hurt business went down there oh and he's saying he was gonna yeah. take over like take over raw underground I wish he would have, like, legit, like, taken it over from Shane. <laughs> you know yeah. what? I would have... <sighs> we'll get into kind of, like, what was the, the main crux of the storyline and who was introduced here into, into it. But if they went with the aesthetic, I dare say, of Wrestling Society X, 
but infused Dude. it with this with the combat like the, with the competitive nature of blood sport and took it and like really took it seriously and made it a separate entity to raw i don't think people would have been as critical of it as they were no, you know? i certainly no, no, would have made it took it a little bit more seriously honestly i'll, I'll talk I'll, I'll get to like the more conceptual stuff later but like there there was more that could have been done also this is reminding me we need to do a wrestling society x episode at some point absolutely absolutely so let's talk about basically the the opening episode of raw underground and in a sense what this offshoot part of raw was kind of built around uh so shane mcmahon introduces it there is always there is already a a, a person in the ring uh looking unlike a wrestler kind of like tape with tape around his fists bare shoes wearing kind of grappling shorts and Shane McMahon introduces the newest competitor for Raw and for Raw Underground, the ever-elusive Dubba Kato, who was, for at that time, had been in uh, developmental since 2016, formerly known as Bubba Tunde. Uh, Dude, the first time I learned about that, I thought you were lying to me. No, no, he genuinely had been in in, in, in the I, developmental I since 2016. I had looked it up with my own eyes, and I still felt like I was being lied to. <laughs> so, yeah, this was kind of almost built around to be a vehicle for Dabakato, to be this really giant, uh, to be this giant of a man who absolutely decimated his opponents. Thoughts on this kind of double cater basically in this episode in this opening episode fellas if you can remember it <laughs> i mean i i quickly had to look up clips of double cater for all of this <laughs> just to quickly refresh my mind of the whole thing mm. uh i i don't necessarily think he was the right guy to use to introduce <laughs> Roar underground though i okay. do think i do think there was potential to add him in down the line as like a big monster threat. I think they might have needed like a demonstration of something to really like set the tone of it. Like Mm. people with, because there are a lot of wrestlers who have like other like skills within like combat sports, like mixed martial arts and stuff like that. Mm. Mm -hmm. Even like, you know, there was an episode where Dolph Ziggler is on Raw Underground. Yes. But he, rest- but he wrestles like he's in a WWE match. Like, he's an accomplished, like, amateur wrestler. Mm. Imagine if they, like, showcased, like, actually, Dolph Ziggler. Actually the- tapped into that. Yeah, like, actually, like, showcased that, like, grappling style that he <laughs> definitely has. Yeah. Like, on the very first episode, because, like... I, it would have. I think it would have been a great idea to like set the tone of everything, so it didn't feel yeah. like it was like. It feels so absurd. Yes. Yeah, so... yeah. Okay. So, I will so say Sam... that. Pro- oh, sorry. For production wise, I went back and watched this very the first segment that took place on August third, because of course we also had the Viking Raiders there having a yeah. contest, mm. and of course the end of Raw Underground has the Hurt Business crash it and say that they want to. Sowing the seeds of them wanting to have uh, to take over uh, um, Raw Underground. By the way, reminds me of when we were like me, me, you, and uh, Reardon were talking and realizing that the Hurt Business, even at that time, and I still believe this, saved WWE during the pandemic era. Oh, like, dude, the Hurt no, Business no, they, was the they... best thing about WWE dude, at this time. 
the hard carry that the Hurt Business and Bailey did for WWE in 2020 was insane. Like, the maddest carry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sam, just quickly. Uh, here was what I thought about uh, Dabakato. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> Literally, it was that. Because, uh, again, you have to remember, at this point, nothing has been established. Mm-hmm. Did you know And then they fun? introduced this really big guy... And no joke, I was literally just like, okay, cool. Do you I remember? Guess. Do you remember? Fun fact about Dabakato slash Babatunde slash Commander Aziz. Do you remember that uh, originally Babatunde was supposed to be Leo Rush's muscle? Yes, that was a thing that was discussed at some point. They even tested it out during live shows, or house shows, I should say, sorry. It's nuts, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely it... nuts. What I will say, though, as we get into the second episode, when I watched the second episode of Raw Underground, I realised something very, very quickly. That there was one person on the second episode that Raw Underground should have been built on. No, I'm not talking about Cal Bloom, <laughs> who would end up becoming Von Wagner. I'm talking about Arturo Huas. See, this is the kind of thing that oh, I was going to... Yeah. Okay. So I was going to talk about the conceptual stuff, right? Which is, I think it would have been better if it was just, like, the raw technical hour. <laughs> yes. So it would have been really cool to, like, show off a different style of wrestling. And when you said about, like, underappreciated people, I mean your guys, like, it would be quite cool for, like, your Drew Gulaks. Your... You know, it could be a chance to have someone like Dolph Ziggler go in there and do amateur-style work. Mm. It would be really cool for guys like Arturo Huas to do their stuff because just because of the way WWE does stuff, a lot of their stuff is not going to translate. Exactly. I mean, they had... But it, but it, but it works in this confine. I will admit they had Artu <laughs> For this one, on the second episode, they had Arturo Huas doing some really awesome... Uh, striking um, parts yeah. in his match. But they also had Shayna Baszler absolutely demolishing three opponents on the same Dude, thing. Again, and I realised... That, should be, that th should be the prerogative. That should absolutely be the prerogative. I mean, we have Dabakato coming back on the second episode doing a a testicle vice grip spot in Raw Underground. <laughs> and then immediate, immediately everything that you've worked to build has just collapsed. <laughs> Because it was literally, I rem watching this match on during my research, it was basically a comedy spot because of the reactions of his opponent being wide-eyed, screaming and that, and his lungs so out. Stupid! Oh yeah, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna, we're gonna do the Fight Club bit, <laughs> and then we're just gonna start messing about. So here's a fun fact: there was a second person who crashed Raw Underground on the very second episode. Can you two tell me? <laughs> Sorry, it was the third episode, I should say. Can you okay. tell me who the person who crashed Raw Underground was on the third episode? Oh, God. Is it... My my head is saying Braun Strowman. No. Not it's yet. It's not. It's not yet. <laughs> it was yeah, because someone... he's still Universal Champion at the time, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, someone... Um... it's someone who's not like most girls. Oh! Oh, um, Nia Jax. It was Nia Jax who started her rivalry with Shayna Baszler on Raw Underground. 
Yo, where was where was the, where was the Nia Jack Charlotte shoot match? <laughs> that would have been a UWF classic. <laughs> but we did get the debut of Dolph Ziggler on Raw Underground yeah. on the third episode. But again, again, I, I've like that's that's cool. But like you, I'm sure there's someone else they could have picked than Nia Jax. So. As I was watching this, I came to a grim realization. As I was, you've as been I smoking came... crack the entire time. True, true, but <laughs> wait, hold on. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. The grim realization I had is that by episode two, they'd run out of ideas. <laughs> not only that, but Kevin Dunn just didn't give a shit. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about this with Raw Underground, yeah. yeah the, I, you know, usually, Sam, you're probably much more of an expert on this. The edit for Raw Underground is so odd to me. It's... Like, like so like, with the first episode, because I, I went back and rewatched Dabakato in it, it's like, they're cutting to him, like, punching this guy in the face, then they're cutting to the women dancing, then cutting back to him punching the guy in the face. It's like, shouldn't the focus be on this thing? <laughs> like, they're, they're, do they're doing whole family guy style like, cutaway jokes. <laughs> like, like, for a show that's dubbed Raw Underground, which is basically like this gritty underground fight club with the bare bones minimum, like, you'd you think, like, they'd, like, simplify the edit, Yes. So that it so that it looks more like gritty, maybe even like more handheld and like I was so here's what I was gonna say. Now I'm not an editing expert, nor am I an expert on camera work, but I think it would have been really good to have the majority of the the camera angles be from handhelds on the floor. Agreed. And then like keep and then like you can like switch between them a bunch, but that's because like it makes it look like you know, like someone's rec recording it on their phone or something. Mm. Not even that. Even just like a simple, like single hard cam, just to show like the ring. Yeah, yeah. And just like one roaming camera that you have, because you haven't got mm. any ropes around to like take away from like moving backwards and forwards. You can literally just like go around. Also, like I'm... you don't exactly have much else to focus on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It... You don't have a massive giant fucking titan drop. <laughs> Like this, all fans. Like this is a weird thing considering WWE's like, the in terms of wrestling, it is the echelon for like video production. Yes, I think this was the perfect opportunity to just properly like scale back on it because yeah. I don't okay. think they, they, okay. I don't think they needed like like they didn't need for a example. full arena setup for a yeah. warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but consider the consider the following, my friend. We make it even more dog water than normal, <laughs> and oh. even more complicated. The fact I'm that not... they went ridiculous in the vision mix with so many cuts as well, and it only got worse as Raw Underground well, progressed. I was gonna say because to be fair, by by this point, Kevin Dunn was in horrible form, although he hadn't reached his twenty twenty one peak of thirteen cuts in like ten seconds. This is true, yeah. but like. <laughs> like we were approaching it. Like, I'm not saying, like, completely, like, get away from, like, production-wise of lights, but I'm saying, like, minimize the amount of lights that you're using so it feels yeah. a lot darker and greer. Like, even if it's just, like, 
a one spotlight that goes like a really intense spotlight on the ring itself and the rest of it is just like clouded in shadows and maybe you just see like the hands of the people around who are just like watching like it is a like underground fight club that you see in like an animated series or, like... i honestly feel like <laughs> that would have looking like it's being lit by one light in a warehouse somewhere. exactly yeah. i honestly felt that would have felt that would have lent itself more to the to the ambiance of it because it would have seen looked a lot i dare say it would have looked a lot more professional if you say you just have the Probably. one the one light spotlight down on the ring, but all you see is just this mist of smoke no. around, and you see the hands hands and silhouettes suddenly occasionally peering in from the crowd. Yeah. No, and and imagine if they actually kept, like, the Hurt Business, like, saying, I'm going to take over this thing, and you have these three guys in their, like, well-crafted suits, like, forcing these people to fight each other. Maybe even, like, if you wanted to add in Cedric in, so it wasn't just the turn on Ricochet, just him beating the living snot out of someone to him eventually, like, join the Hurt business. Listen, if Raw Underground needed to be, have the production quality of Lucha Underground for it to be taken seriously. <laughs> Basically... See, the difference is, though, is that Lucha Underground actually had vision. <laughs> exactly. And and that is bold for that for that promotion in the grand scheme of things. Let's talk but a little at bit. At least it had a creative vision. Let's talk a little bit about the Hurt Business's contribution to Raw Underground. At this point, it was abundantly clear Raw Underground just did not make sense, and it was there for the sake of just no. being there. <laughs> but let's talk about the Hurt Business's contribution to Raw Underground a little for the couple of months it was around. Could you believe it was only two months that Raw Underground was around? <laughs> Hurt Business really turned something that was not really important to something that was, you know what, there is a little bit of stakes here. And I'm well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there and say the Hurt Business in that twenty twenty period must see TV. Or must see wrestling anyway. Hmm. Because I think the must the production team must have real and the creative team must have realized, okay, uh, this ain't working out. Uh, <laughs> let's take one of the let's take her business. Uh, one of the most one of the biggest things going at the moment. Let's slot them in, but let's not make it like um, I guess not like a, a hugely well a contributing factor to what let's... they do on Raw, <laughs> but actually having them completely decimate the entire product. <laughs> like let's let's make it so that they are invested in this thing but like completely uselessly <laughs> this will provide no benefit to anyone in any circumstances they show up they absolutely decimate they leave now hear me out on this right because they're called the hurt business i would have i kept saying i think it would have been really good if they made it their thing mm. yeah like Again, like that thing of like they make people fight in this like underground fight club. Exactly. And exactly. also, right, this is a whole separate point. Um, both MVP and Bobby Lashley have shoot experience. Exactly. Exactly. MVP's a practitioner of uh, BJJ. I, I believe he's currently a brown belt. Exactly. And then, of course, there's. There's Bobby Lashley, who was in Strike Force, and had a very well, yeah, shoot, I mean, shoot, has shoot amateur wrestling experience anyway. Yeah, being in the army. But here's the thing, everybody: Bobby Lashley has a much better record than Brock Lesnar does in mixed martial arts. 
Well, that is true, but... Uh, but then again, it was all in Strike Force, so... His brother was Strike Force and Bellator, and I know people are going to, like, get at me at that, but, like, it's... It, <laughs> it's Brock not... Lesnar was fighting, like, Frank Mir. <laughs> Randy Couture, you know, yeah. like, he, he, he was on the main event of big cards, even are, though... Yeah, there, even are, though there, there are levels to this game. <laughs> I was going to say, even though UFC is a very questionable promotion with horrible management, but we won't again, get that into is that. Also, that is an entirely valid um, statement to say. Uh... But hey, here's the thing. Uh, EA Sports had the better MMA game when they had EA Sports MMA. So you know what? I'm saying that. EA Sports MMA is a lot better than the EA Sports UFC games. Correct. (laughs) But the THQ UFC games are absolutely goated and have never been equal since. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) There's my MMA discussion. Everyone will know what you mean. But this is the thing I was saying, right? Like, it would have been really cool if this could have been like, tied into something else. Because I feel like there's a couple different cool concepts you can do with the Fight Club idea. One, obviously, being, like, I'd like the concept of the underappreciated wrestlers getting together and just, like, having these matches, like, off record. Yeah, like, they didn't they didn't factor into the grander scheme of their, of their in kayfabe, their standing within the company or say, like, and, you like, know, they would... Uh, oh, this doesn't affect standings for title opportunities or going up to the main roster uh, for the NXT people. It's just a case of, I'm getting angsty. I need to let that anger out. I want to fight. Let's fight. and Let's make this kind of unsanctioned, separate from the WWE sort of thing. And then I also like the separate concept of like guys who have technical or like, you know, shoot experience getting a chance to just use that and show that off. how that would work like in a creative sense i have no idea i'm not i'm not a writer <laughs> but i feel like there were so many cool things that could have been done with it that weren't and instead we just got this weird thing of like shane being like hey by the way i have this idea anyway um we're gonna do this stuff do this stuff and now we're not and then we're gonna disappear into the ether it was always a case of he always brought up like this is an opportunity for anyone who's in the ring. It's like, oh, it's always opportunity was always the word that he used in Raw Underground, wasn't it? Dude, where's the Raw Underground title? Come on. Well, Shane came from the land of opportunity, so when he went underground, he just had opportunity. Dang, you're right, Connor. You're right. Yeah. The opportunity is called having a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> so... Again, let's go a little bit more. It's the end of August, and they're now kind of building it kind of around, of course, the Hurt Business coming in, cleaning house, going and, and leaving to go back to Raw. But there was also the kind of build-up of Riddick Moss being an actual kind of, like, genuine like oh, yeah, threat were... to Raw Underground. Do you remember this time when they were, like, really hot on Riddick Moss for some reason? Yeah. He, he won the 24-7 title multiple times. <laughs> He was kind of like having really competitive like matches on like dark matches, and in a Raw Underground, he was cleaning house against Arturo Huas. He was having like a he had a match against Titus O'Neil on Raw Underground. That that sentence is fucking crack. <laughs> and he was eventually kind of trying. He was he was it was almost being billed as he was going to be the guy to dethrone Dabba Kato's dominance on Raw Underground. As the like, he was like the plucky underdog of Raw. Any, any, any Riddick Moss guys here? Any Riddick Moss guys? Anyone? Anyone out there in the universe a Riddick Moss guy? Bueller. <laughs> any, any, any Riddick Moss stan accounts out there? That silence right, speaks volumes, doesn't right, it? <laughs> all right, 
I think I think the coast is clear. I had no idea what the fuck they were doing with this guy. <laughs> it's... Like I get it, underappreciated guys getting an opportunity, but like but Riddick Moss. <laughs> I would I would I you could have given me an injured Drew Gulak and I would have picked him over Riddick Moss. I would have trusted in Rey Mysterio's shoe experience over Riddick Moss. <laughs> hey, don't you dare doubt, call into question Rey Mysterio's shoe experience. <laughs> He's had to shoot on his son multiple times. <laughs> Remember that tweet? I was going to say Just got WWE, WWE 13. 13 tweet. Can't wait to beat my kids. <laughs> Can't wait to beat my son. No. <laughs> Um, that but, being said, but, this... but like, but like, they 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 put in all this stuff, and I really feel like all the resources were put in the wrong place. We had too much production. We had a really weird mix of people. And again, I I know it's meant to be for like the underappreciated guys, but I feel like it would have been better if they'd done it for the tech players. Dude, the Chad Gable Raw Underground run could have been crazy. Yeah, remember would... what was not given to us. What could, I love the fact that most of this episode we've been talking about what could have been instead of what actually was, you know? <laughs> yeah, because what actually happened more than all wasn't that interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, as we get more into it, we come to the end of August. For some reason, we're now having Alistair Black and Kevin Owens making appearances on Raw Underground. M admittedly, those two actually did have a decent Underground match, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, they actually did put a bit of effort into their appearance when they both faced off against each other. We had Billy Kay making a couple of appearances on Raw Underground. Uh, the one being that she actually got, she actually got knocked out by Jessamine Duke with a roundhouse kick, which looked. I mean, say what you will about Billy Kay, she's a terrific seller. I, I, I and she and she's tremendous on the mic as well so say what you were about billy k but again it's that thing of it feels weird that she's appearing on raw underground but i digress this of course leads to mid-september and screw it we're not going to go with riddick moss anymore let's bring in braun Strowman, or shall i say desert storm braun Strowman, because <laughs> he was wearing that weird desert camo gear at this time <laughs> <laughs> so his appearance he just completely wipes the floor with everyone here i think he has like a free match streak and who should walk to face him but dubba kato this and... is the match we've all been wanting guys <laughs> <laughs> and so we get to september the 21st and the very last episode of raw underground who was on Raw Underground on this one? Well, we had an, uh, an Arturo Fulas versus Dolph Ziggler match, which kind of slapped, actually. Not going to lie. There was Dolph Ziggler actually yeah. did some wrestling in this. Like, I'm not talking about kind of like, you know, his style of wrestling. I meant like shoot kind of amateur wrestling he yeah. brought out in this match. Uh, we had uh, Eric absolutely killing Riddick Moss. So there goes the plucky, <laughs> uh, there goes the plucky underdog. <laughs> But in the main event, dare I say, of Raw Underground, and the last competitive fight of Raw Underground, we had Dubba Kato versus Braun Strowman. Have you ever watched Big Daddy versus Giant Aystax? It's pretty close to it, honestly. It's, it genuinely is like the shoot fight version of that match. <laughs> it's uh, what Takada would have wanted. <laughs> Oh man, if only Vader was still around for that for that match. 
Dude, the Vader Raw Underground run, though? <laughs> I think what gets me between Davocato versus Braun is not only just sort of like the jabs happening back and forth before they actually take it to the ground, it's the random trap music. Yes! <laughs> it, it, yeah! It, 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 it's like, it feels so out of place. I feel but... like one Strowman, known trap music enjoyer. Shane McMahon's trying to be Funk Master Flex from Def Jam Vendetta, also doing the commentary and DJing for the match. No, it's it's the other yeah, bit Shane as well. Shane McMahon, known trap music enjoyer. It's the other bit, just backtracking to like the Billy Kay stuff on Raw Underground, where he like goes to her and is like, oh, it's all right. It, I, I, I know it's bad that you lost, but hey, just keep watching Raw Underground. <laughs> <laughs> Shane was so invested in this. Wasn't they were, he? they were, they were really trying to be like, "Hey, watch this bit of the show." <laughs> yeah, like I, I appreciate they were trying. I appreciate they were trying something different. <laughs> God, I can appreciate a man who tries, but sometimes it just comes off as desperate. <laughs> but Braun Strowman in this match hands Dabakato his very first and only loss on Raw Underground. <laughs> Gotta put Braun and... over. It's exactly, you know, former Wait. world, former Universal Champion. Everybody, I'm just having a thought now. Like, was Davakeo ever like pinned when he came up to like Raw and SmackDown as Commander Aziz? No, um... I don't think he was. I think it was always Apollo that that took the loss. Yeah, because like I, I think even when he went down to NXT, he hasn't taken a loss either. So he's still undefeated. <laughs> I believe Raw underground. We'll, ha- we'll, ha- we'll have to pull a clarifier. Wait, I'll have to pull up the. Um, I'll have to pull up we, the Commander is need... his cage match profile now. <laughs> we need to see this. You know what's funny is that even after the whole Commander Aziz thing, he went back to being Double Kato. He's now Double Kato again in NXT. Yeah, he is. And now they're gonna have that whole like Raw Underground rules match. I feel like this unintentionally, Connor. Oh shit! This man doesn't have a fucking cage match profile. Unintentionally, Connor, you booked this at the perfect time to talk about Raw Underground when the Underground Rules oh, stipulation dude. is coming back. <laughs> Look, my my timing is impeccable. Sometimes it's needed, sometimes it's not. It's just like it's a roll of the dice. <laughs> so we've talked about we went over a brief history of the two month period that was Raw Underground, but the legacy. Let's talk a little bit about the legacy of Raw Undergrounds. I I think its legacy, for the most part, will be that it was an attempt of trying something new that just didn't quite hit the mark. In but the, that, mm. but just it just needed to like it just needed to like scale stuff back to like feel different and i can understand why they may or may not have because 2020 was a chaotic time for wrestling where everything was so uncertain everything was yeah. up in the air they were really they had to they had to double down on making pre-recorded cinematic stuff yeah. So I guess in terms of the creative process, again, I feel sometimes for WWE writers, the ones, the, the so many of them that have to write this amount, this amount of TV every single week, trying to, uh, trying to explain or weave storylines into this weird segment must have been so difficult. <laughs> mm. 
but it's again so much okay. uncertainty it could have been so much more as we said we, we talked about what it could have been and it really could have been so much more but it was just bogged down by the fact of well we got this segment we need to build it with something let's just throw everyone at it okay think... i'm sorry i'm looking on i'm looking at the dabakato cage match profile <laughs> yeah <clears throat> Um, it doesn't actually list Raw Underground matches, but I have some absolute crack results to tell you about. God, please do! Because, um, yeah, the, 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 the Raw Underground matches don't come up. His first, um, his first TV loss in a singles match was against Omos. Oh, Hello, Homo sapiens. sapiens. And that was on the four that was on the fourteenth of March twenty twenty two. It's crazy to think. His 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 next loss on TV after that you're not gonna believe this. I think his next it. TV loss was against scripts on NXT in June twenty twenty three. Now, are you I'm... ready? Are you ready for the crack? This already feels like it. Scripts. <laughs> yes. In two minutes fifty-one, by the way, on WWE NXT edition number six hundred eighty-four, six for the sixth, twenty twenty-three. Reginald, can't believe Reginald. <laughs> okay. Nah, scripts. Here, here is where the absolute crack comes in. <laughs> okay. So. I have found a list of his matches from NXT house shows. <laughs> oh. And it gets crazy. <laughs> uh, such as including a series of wins over Marcel Bartel. <laughs> uh, a win over then to become Damien Priest. <laughs> what? Uh... Losses to Matt Riddle and Dominic Dijakovic. Okay. A win in a tag match, in a, a six-man tag match, teaming with Keith Lee and Kushida against the Undisputed Era. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> From what? the WWE NXT Live House Show on the 18th of April 2019, Baba Tunde, Keith Lee, and Kushida defeat the Undisputed Era at Lakeland Armory in Lakeland, Florida. Ah, <laughs> oh, I want to see the footage. I want to see if he got. I want to see if he got the pin. Excuse 3. me. 3.0 and Baba Tunde versus Fabian Eichner, Marcel Bartel, and Trevor Lee. <laughs> you know what? It's it's a shame. It's a shame that Baba Tunde is no. It's not part of the Jericho Appreciation Society because I just want to see that ta that goated three man six man tag <laughs> team up again. Okay. Three <laughs> versus uh, Baba Tunde. Don't worry, because we get more crack. <laughs> oh. We God. had Evolve One Twenty Nine on pay per view. Baba Tunde defeats Harlem Bravado. Now you... Grayson Waller. I was gonna say, is yeah. that yeah? <laughs> My God. My God. Evolve 130 on pay-per-view for the WWN title. No. JD Drake versus Baba Tunde in a no contest. <laughs> Do you remember a time in Evolve where Timothy Thatcher was the most dominant WWN and Evolve champion? Evolve 131. 
10th anniversary, Babatunde defeats Colby Carino in three minutes. <laughs> My god. <laughs> That's at the fucking ECW and... arena as well. Guys, I, I know we're all big homo sapiens, but I think we need to start building building a fan base for Dabakato. 26th of the 9th, 2019, Cassius Ono defeats Day. <laughs> Maybe we should and be... And then, oh, God. Evolve 137, pay-per-view on the 11th of October 2019, Babatunde versus Eddie Kingston goes to no contest in seven minutes. I see. They, I have, see. Uh, they have a rubber. They have a rubber match at Evolve One Thirty Nine, in which Babatunde wins against Eddie Kingston. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't putting him over, partner. <laughs> Of which Eddie Kingston then gets the return pin in a trio's tag match. You know what? Which featured this... Eddie Kingston, Joe Gacy, and Sean Maluta versus a team of Anthony Gutierrez, Arturo Huas, and Babatunde. Do you know what? I think Eddie's done well for himself, what? you know, not going what? to WWE. <laughs> what were they cooking? <laughs> <laughs> what were they cooking with this? I I can't even, you know. And I'm, all... I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> and all of the, all of that, and all of that, and that man, even on Raw Underground, still couldn't get over. <laughs> I, d I don't know. I feel like that entire cage breath thing has made me a fan of Dabakato. I'm not going to lie. Yo, the Dabakato <laughs> house show run went crazy. <laughs> they let him cook. <laughs> And now he's losing to scripts. <laughs> and Axiom, for that matter. Anyway, where were we before this? Yeah, we were talking oh. about the legacy of Raw Underground. Oh, sorry, the legacy of Raw we, Underground. I think we just know what the legacy is now. It's the legacy of Dabakato. Come on. Yeah. Well, basically, as far as we can tell, this entire thing was created to put Dabakato over, and then he ended up becoming Commander Aziz. So <laughs> I don't think that was that successful. He, he almost suffered the same fate as... Uh, as Dr. Death, basically, with the Brawl for Raw. Yeah. It was supposed to be but, built around him, but then they put it on Braun Strowman. So basically, Braun Strowman I mean, is the Bart Gun of Raw Underground. See, now now I've got to figure out who's the Steve Blackman in this situation. <laughs> Riddick Moss. <laughs> I refuse to allow that to be the case. <laughs> Arturo Huas is the Steve Blackman in this situation. Yes. No, no, yeah, that, that works. I, that I can that get works. behind. But okay, the legacy of Raw Underground. I think the the essence of this is that this was a pro this was a product and idea that was so woefully unsuited to WWE. I don't know why it was ever actually conceptualized in the first place. Because, I mean, WWE and shoot style are not words I would normally put together. <laughs> Unless your name is Nobuhiko Takada. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, like, look. But then, that, to, but then that's Hustle, isn't it? Takada's a carny. Yes. Right? <laughs> but, like, at least he kept, like, um, like, UWF and all of that stuff separate from Hustle. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. <laughs> like, the thing, the thing I have with it is, right, is that, like, I think it, that... As with many things WWE has ever done in the recent, last couple of years, there's a good concept at heart. Mm. 
Because I think there's nothing wrong with the concept of like under you know underground fighting, underground wrestling. Again, it has its appeal. Like as I said, I think def- it, I think it has its points. But like, if you go in there without a vision or an idea of what you want it to be, then you really get lost in like what you're trying to achieve. Because like I said, I think it would have been really good if it was like just like wrestlers who had shoot experience were going there to do like those style of matches or mm-hmm. like show those skills. Because I think it'd be really cool to like show people's diverse move sets and styles. Whereas, you know, often I find that WWE matches are quite formulaic, although, again, getting them to do stuff outside their normal style would have to get them to admit that their stuff is formulaic. This is like, true. It would, it, would, it would be really cool to have, like, more considered technical stuff. I, uh, you saying that makes me realise something, and correct me if I'm wrong on this one, chaps. Raw Underground should have been everything that the fight pit was a year basically, later that's that's basically my vision for the concept although i probably would have gone for something that was more like was it the lion's den the lion's den correct yeah something more adjacent to that so if timothy thatcher came around several months beforehand <laughs> raw underground might not have been as bad as it was well, I feel like I feel like that's what the that's what I feel where I feel it would be useful though, because like <sighs> the problem with the Fight Club thing is I feel like that has to be a, its own contained storyline. Yes, I don't think you can wish in a mystical Fight Club existing in a wrestling promotion. <laughs> but like, if you make it like a reason for it starting, like, do you know what would be really cool? It'd be really cool, like, if for, like, the Hurt business, for example, mm. if they did the thing as, like, no, we're going to test people. Yeah. We want to see how you do, like, under pressure. We want to see, like, how you do when you're dealing with something completely different. <clears throat> I would... And it would be, mm. be really cool, because then, like, you could get, like, Bobby to show off, like, his actual shoot experience. So basically, Bobby Lashley. You can have Bobby Lashley be the big bad, the one that everyone's gunning for, kind of being the big. You have MVP running, running things. Yeah, and Bobby be the big person. You know, you have Shelton and Cedric being the guys that you know, kind of like the middle guys that try to take out competitors. Dude, the Shelton, the Shelton shoot style match. Come Come on, on. (laughs) that's so that's 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 so uh, unfathomably based. And you'd have competitors like Huas. You have Chad Gable yeah, in there. Yeah, get, get guys like get guys like Huas. Get guys like Drew Gulak. Get guys like Chad Gable. De- hell, again, throw Alistair Black in there because he wasn't yeah, doing anything no. at this point. Alistair Black, throw in um, Dolph Ziggler and get him to do some shoot stuff. Get people to do stuff that's like more interesting and and diverse. And I think like actually you create something that's quite good. But again, when you go in there with the vision of uh, I own a fight club and I'm going to do stuff and now I'm going to have strippers because we are underground and do not play by the rules. Ha ha. Look at this big look at this big this big guy guarding the door. Look, I have the I have these women dancing for me and now we're going to have music play over the PA system. Ha ha ha. ha, ha. Look at me, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm sweating profusely even though I've only moved two feet. <laughs> and and that, and that's the thing with it, really. Uh, as with many things from this pandemic period, it's just it's just too many conflicting ideas. 
Yeah. I get like, I think I think I think you will agree I think you will agree with me, uh, Connor. WWE and shoot style do not often go together. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I feel like it was an interesting experiment that, mm-hmm. if it was presented in a different way, could have worked quite well. And if you like integrated other people in there, like as you mentioned, uh, Alistair Black would have been really cool. Chad Gable, Dolph Ziggler, and like show like different sides to them, like. I feel like Raw Underground could have been a chance to show more layers of wrestlers who you already have on your roster who don't necessarily get much chances to really showcase that. Mm. And like, if you wanted to bring them up and say, okay, they do have some legitimacy, then great. Just like, there was just a bunch of stuff that could have been done with it. And like, I know it's very hypocritical to say, okay, you could have done this and done that. It's just something you'll never really know, really. Like, it was a pandemic, they wanted to try stuff out, and it just ended up being like this. But the concept, (laughs) I still think, is something they could use. I mean, we say that. They're bringing it back for the the match with Damon Kempen and Eddie Thorpe on NXT, which is kind Mm -hmm. of crazy. Well, it's interesting to see how that will go about, because, of course, Damon Kemp's got wrestling heritage. Of course, his brother is Gable Stevenson there. Uh, we've got Eddie yeah. Thorpe, um, who is a former LA Dojo alumni. Um, he's being trained by Gable Stevens, uh, Stevenson in storyline. Funnily enough, um, of all this time of signing him after the of the after the Tokyo Olympics and having him draft to Raw, they just send him to NXT. Uh, it's really confusing. Um, we'll see how this one turns out. If they will embrace that more kind of like hey these guys have actually kind of got some like legitimate legitimacy. legitimate martial arts and fighting experience in it let's put it around and work with it and to see you know have a more of a shoot style dare i say uwfi rules style match we'll see but then again this is wwe um prepare to be disappointed fellas that's all i'll say <laughs> <laughs> so Raw Underground. Final thoughts on Raw Underground in the year 2020. <laughs> I was not expecting so much Davocato information to be revealed by just simply thinking about Raw Underground. So of all things, it's exceeded my expectations. <laughs> um, I think, again, it's that same thing of, you know... There was an idea at hand, so things were tried, and, you know, I can't knock them for trying, but at the same time, it's like, it's an idea that I think was very dead on arrival, but I think could be better done by, like, someone elsewhere. And you know what? This time of year, at that time period, Josh Barnett did it, and did it better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he just did. And Josh Barnett continues to do the shoot style, kind of that sort of uh, gritty but, shoot style but the, uh, but thing. But the thing about Better. it, though, is that Josh Barnett understands it. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I mean, you won't see Shane McMahon versus John Moxley anytime soon, will you? <laughs> but it's like, it's like, but it's like he he gets the point of it exactly. Which is that it's meant to be like stripped down and reduced, and like I said, he's worked with some of the guys from that like kind of premier time shoot 
style. Mm. So he he does un, he does understand it. Um, and you know even like some of the other ones like where I've seen like independents try like UWFI rules type stuff, they don't quite completely get it, but they definitely get it more than Raw Underground did. <laughs> that is for sure. And uh, I think Connor's right. You know. We learned a lot more about Dabakato than I think any of us thought we would. <laughs> I, I, you know, to be... With the exception of me being maybe one of, like, I don't know, a couple hundred people to have ever read his cage match profile. So, you read it and then you actually learn. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I think that's where we're going to end on Raw Underground, unless you guys have something else kind of, like, in mind to talk about Raw Underground or to end Raw Underground on. I think we've covered the bases. I think, of all things, we exceeded all <laughs> conversations that we could have had about Raw Underground. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I'm now the number one authority on information about Dabakato. <laughs> and somehow... Uh, and somehow... And, and, and on the... And on why WWE can't handle shoot-style wrestling. And for some reason why WWE still can't handle Shane McMahon, but I don't... Because <laughs> he sweats too much. <laughs> But I digress. Yeah, that is where we're going to end our episode on Raw Underground. Man, that was uh, <laughs> that was certainly an experience, if you ask me. And I tell you what, I'll, I'll give you this much, Connor. Yeah, you did actually pick a good one. <laughs> this one. Damn it. <laughs> I already knew it was going to be good. <laughs> so, um, Connor, again, for the, like, three times, man, and it's always been a pleasure to have you on, sir. Thank you for always popping in. It's always a blast to have you on, my guy. Oh, no, thank you for always having me back. Like, I always enjoy having chats like this, because like, I don't really get the opportunity to just, like, talk about stuff as a fan as much, so it's just it's just nice. <laughs> hey, always... We are the outlet. <laughs> exactly, and you and you know full well you are always welcome back on to have a chat every so often yes, about this sort of stuff. Are. <laughs> so if you've got anything kind of like coming up wrestling dates uh anything kind of coming up on socials and stuff the floor is yours feel free to promote and plug away sir so i don't really have any specific dates lined up that i can neither confirm nor deny but if you'd like to keep up with any of those things you can find me on twitter at tig underscore pw same on instagram and if you want to keep up with me on other things yeah you can also find me on tiktok so yeah that's it <laughs> i mean i mean keep up with him because you actually do yes. some really damn good promos i'm not gonna lie your promos are actually really good oh thank you <laughs> like legit before we actually end the episode like can we talk a little you bit recognize uh, you better recognize just how good like tig is as a character as a gimmick and your promo style is actually amazing like Matt, there are very few that have a, such a unique character in wrestling nowadays. I, I mean, uh, thank you. I'm, just I'm wait fired. till I just, Sam. Just wait till I hear those ropes. <laughs> Business is gonna get gonna get a shock real quick. <laughs> Legit though, you are doing some really good stuff, and I'm really like, as not only just as kind of like a, a viewer of wrestling, but as a friend as well. I'm really excited to see where you go on your journey in professional wrestling. Okay, uh, we're gonna we're gonna work it out. We're gonna make you the first chipmark sponsored athlete. <laughs> yeah, you damn right. <laughs> you damn right. <laughs> but no, it's um, I'm so excited to see where you go, man. And I have nothing but kind of like wish you nothing but the best of like luck with everything you get yeah. going in the future. We need to get to a show. <laughs> <laughs> 
We need to go to a right cabaret show with you on, Connor. Yeah, man. Get, calm down. Like, they've got... Uh, th this is uh, this is also, I guess, a plug for Riot Cabaret, because I'll probably end up being at the show anyways. Uh, they have an amazing show coming up on the 25th of August. Uh, Sean and James, incredible. They've been putting on so many fun, enjoyable shows, both for, like, people who are fans of wrestling, people who just, like, want to experience it for the first time, because it's a very, like mixed crowd but it's always so fun to watch mm. so they can't cannot recommend them enough uh, they've all from what i've watched and the map and the events i watch it's just it's so fun to have uh, a british wrestling show that is definitely kind of for everyone because it's been very i feel like the past several years has been very catered to a hardcore crowd embrace tradition <laughs> but kind of just embrace kind of like hey look this is just a really fun entertainment for the for, for the evening but it just so happens to contain professional wrestling as well. <laughs> it's nice to see it. It's nice to see it. Um, but yeah, Connor, thank you ever so much for appearing, sir. Thank you ever so much. I said best best of luck with everything going on. And uh, yes, I cannot wait to see Tig at AEW. That's all I'm saying. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, man. Oh, no, it's pleasure as always, my man. Right. Next episode. Oh, I'm happy about this one. I'm very excited about this one. So on the next episode, we've got dear friend of mine, Andos. And of course, when we when, 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 when I have Andos on, there's only one subject that we can talk about. Yes, we are doing a retrospective on FTR. Because <laughs> it, yeah. it would seem very, very weird that we wouldn't have Andos on and not talk about Dax and Cash in any way, shape or form. So that is on our next episode. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Dad and Connor. You've been listening to the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. We will see you as always on the next one. Bye everybody.